Hi, we're Amy and Nancy Harrington, and we're the founders of the Passionistas Project, and we are so excited to be on the Conversations with Pearl podcast. Hello, sunshine, good to see you again. Had to walk out to let you back in. Stuck in a storm of a relationship. Lost my fire. Another episode of Conversations with Pearl. And I'm so excited because I have not one but two guests. And the really cool thing is they're also sisters. So we are going to have so much fun today. We've been talking ahead of time. And oh my gosh, you guys, the energy, you're going to just love these amazing ladies. So let me tell you about our guest. We have the sisters Amy and Nancy Harrington. They founded the Passionista Project out of a deep desire to empower all women around the world. Both co founders walked away from high profile jobs in Hollywood to work together. How cool is that? Want to work with your sister. And Amy was a vice president of visual effects and post-production for all feature films at Warner Brothers, working on movies such as Harry Potter, the, the franchise for Harry Potter, the original Matrix trilogy, my favorite movie, and Space Jam, which my kids loved growing up. Nancy left the ad agency where she created Academy Award campaigns for Miramax. Now, Amy and Nancy shine a light on the positive stories of self-identified women and non-binary people through their media company. They have conducted more than 60 one-on-one oral histories for the interviews of the Television Academy Foundation, including in-depth conversations with Cindy Williams who and Penny Marshall, two of my favorites, Malcolm Jamal Warner, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Keenan Ivory Wayans, Ed O'Neill, another favorite, Danny DeVito, and many more. At the Emmys and other press events, Amy and Nancy have chatted with stars including Rita Marino, Lily Tomlin, Laverne Cox, Deepak Chopra, Carol Burnett, and many others. Oh my God, I want to be in their, in their shoes for a few hours, please. They've also produced interviews for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, including a sit-down with Mick Jagger. Oh, I love to talk about that. They were handpicked by OWN to be part of the VIP Digital Press Corps covering Oprah's Life Class during Winfrey's tour of the U.S. and Toronto. Amy and Nancy founded the Passionista Project in 2018, and through their podcast, Subscription Box, and Power the Passionistas Summit, they have strived to inspire women to follow their passions, join forces in the fight for equality for all. I am so excited to have you guys on today. This is going to be so, so much fun. I just, I really want to walk in an hour of your shoes through some of those interviews. I would love to be that voice in your head. So tell us, tell us, let's go back before we get into that fun, fun stuff, like, Tell us, you guys are our sisters, so tell us a little bit about growing up with amazing, I mean, you guys are great sisters, and tell, like, how many age difference are you guys, by the way, and tell us a little bit about growing up together. So we are five years apart, and the uh, family lore is that I, Nancy, um, asked for Amy to be born because I didn't want my mother to be lonely when I went to kindergarten. So um, Amy was born the year I started school and we were 
best friends from the day she was born. Like we were inseparable and uh, our childhood was amazing. It was um, creative and artistic and fun. Our parents met in art school. Our mom was an art teacher before she got married and had children and became a full-time mom. And our dad owned an advertising agency our whole life and was an amazing artist. And um, so we were surrounded by music and art and theater and and museums. And, you know, it was just a really great childhood. And Amy and I were best friends through the whole thing. <laughs> How fun is that? And like you, you, you willed Amy to come into this world. How cool is that? Now, I don't know if your mom was sad. Did you will any more? Is it just the two of you? Did you will any more siblings to come along? Well, there are five of us total. So I'm the youngest of five. Wow. So there's 13 years difference between us and our oldest sister, Beth, who's a independent filmmaker, Emmy, Emmy award winning, Grammy nominated, uh, independent filmmaker. We have a sister, Lisa, who was a dancer and is an amazing fiber artist, um, and a brother who was a musician and became a bankruptcy attorney and has, uh, had a case in front of the Supreme Court. He was one of the final they're the one of the final RBJ uh, cases before she passed away. So um, there are five of us total. How cool is that? What a fun! Oh my gosh! So it starts with your parents being so creative, and then and it carried through all of you. I mean, that is so amazing. What do you, What do you think? Like, why do you think that happened? Like, where? Because some people like go, I don't want to do anything my parents are doing. Right. Right. Yeah, our parents were just really encouraging. They were so supportive and they encouraged us to do anything we wanted to do. Um, and so I think that just that support was what carried us through. And we never we didn't grow up in a household where if I wanted to do something, oh, I can't I can't do that. Um, and we're all, our mother always encouraged us to be best friends with our siblings. And <clears throat> to this day, we're all extremely close. So we've always had the support of each other as well. And I was just saying to someone the other day, I don't think any of us ever had an activity that our parents weren't at, you know, be it a play or a dance or a science fair or whatever it was, they were there no matter how busy they were. And we just were surrounded by support and love. And, you know, of course it wasn't perfect, but, you know, we, we really did have an idyllic childhood. And I think, and, I, and I, I also want to add that there's another level of, it, at least for me, which is as much as our dad lived this creative life, having his own ad agency, what he really wanted to do was be a cartoonist. Um, and he didn't do that. He, you know, he took what might keep some people might not consider the safe route, which was to have a graphic design business. But he didn't take the chance and become the real artist he wanted to be. And so for me, I always and our, and our oldest sister, Beth, always reinforced, at least to me, like, try, try it, whatever you want to do, try it because you will look back and you will regret it. And so I always saw my dad re regretting that he hadn't taken the real chance and I didn't want to live that life. And, and I love that you share that too, because I think that's so powerful. First to go back and say, like they made the time to be there for your events, no matter what it was. And for me, that was very important too, raising my boys. Like I wanted to be at, you know, my oldest one was the, our athlete. I went to all his football games. My youngest one, he did some 
you know, he was computer stuff. So whatever he was doing, I was there. He, his sign language was his foreign language in high school. So he did some musical things, with the, which was really beautiful. And so I think that's important. And I talk about that a lot on this podcast too, about setting those boundaries and learning to say no, right? Learning to say no to those things that, you know, are going to take you away from your family and your, your, your job or your business or, you know, your creativity, you know, that you want to develop, right? And I think that's so powerful. And then to take it to that level that, you know, your dad didn't do that, that dream he had, he, he did this other, you know, did this uh, graphic design. And then for you guys to go, they wanted us to learn that lesson and pour it forward. And, and that's what we, you know, we teach our, our boys too. like, you know, our son, he started this business with my husband and I kept telling my husband, he, this is perfect for him because he is not somebody who wants to do what everybody else tells him to do. He wants to create his own path, create a business, you know, so he was, doing this business with my husband, but he really wanted to breed dogs. So we're like, this is a perfect world for you. You can do this with your dad and then you can start breeding these dogs, you know? So it's, it's exactly what you said. Like, and those that are listening need to really take heed of that, that, you know, if you have that passion, we're not promised tomorrow. So don't wait and go, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I think it's a great lesson that you got from your parents. And I think that's really, really powerful. I love that you guys shared that as well. I think that's yeah. so cool. So, so let me ask you this. So, you know, like you said, life's not perfect. We know. So along the way, as you're growing up and you've got these dreams of the different things you both did, and now you've come together and doing some great things together, like what obstacles came up for you during growing up and during going after your dreams and visions that you had to overcome and what, how did you overcome those obstacles? I think for me, honestly, it was crippling shyness. I was such a shy little kid. I We had the nicest, sweetest grandfather in the world. And when he would walk in the room, I would start crying. I was just afraid of everything and everybody. And um, I, I, I think I came, I overcame it a little bit during my childhood by, you know, joining choirs and singing and being in plays and stuff. But Honestly, I don't think I overcame it until five years ago, you know, 10 years ago when we started doing interviews and by learning interview skills, it helped me learn how to have conversations with people. And and now I'm just not as shy and as, as afraid and intimidated as I used to be. I, I love yeah. that. Before Amy says, before you share, yeah. I just want to say I was a very shy girl too growing up. And I, I, and my husband used to like, if we would have a disagreement, I wouldn't say anything. I was like, that's all I knew was like, be quiet, you know? And so he would have these arguments for me. He'd speak for me. I'm like, oh, you can't, that's not what I would have said, but really what took me out of my shyness. And I loved it. The interviews, cause I was sitting there going, how did you do that? Cause you do these interviews. And I love that was I did a collection job. So I had to have an alias and that job is what catapult me out of my shyness because I could talk to them you know, and I was not a mean collection person, but I was the one that say, go put the note in the neighbor's door and everything like that. And I remember I was talking to a celebrity one time and my husband came to pick me up at my job. And he, I remember him saying, who's that person talking to that person that way? And my boss goes, that's your wife. <laughs> and like he, the things that when I was coming out of my mouth, by then I was like, so my husband will tell you today, the worst thing he did was tell me to learn how to speak for myself and start that collection job because now I'm not quiet at all. <laughs> But Amy, share with share your obstacles that you overcame and how you overcame those. I mean, I think I had two. One, I was a super emotional child, which I blame on the sugar diet. 
of the 70s. Um, a lot of Cocoa Puffs, a lot of M&Ms on the top of the cabinet in the dining room. Um, and that was just, you know, I don't know. I just was over the years kind of getting out of my own head about it. I'm still a fairly emotional person, but I'm not as much as I used to be. Um, and I also had the shyness. I was, you know, Nancy and I are very similar. And I was, um, if I signed up for class in college and found out there was going to be an oral presentation, I would drop the class <laughs> and I would find another, uh, you know, section of it and take that instead. Um, and I didn't get over the kind of first wave of that until I started working at Warner Brothers and would have to speak at a weekly meeting in front of all these other executives. And I would wake up every Tuesday morning, like sick to my stomach. Um, and I would just push through it and it hit the point where now I can talk in a room of like 40 people. If I feel like I have authority on the topic. Um, but if I had, if someone said to me tomorrow, you have to stand up on the stage, I would push Nancy out in front of me <laughs> and probably start crying. <laughs> Revert oh my to my gosh. emotional I ways. Totally, I, I totally get the change classrooms. So in high school, uh, we moved from uh, North Carolina to Florida, and I had to take an English. I don't even know what the English class was called, but I was going to have you were going to do speak, you're going to do talks, and you're going to have to do speeches. And I remember sitting in the back of the room going, "Ain't no way!" I went down and I'm like, "Get me out of that class! I am never going to speak in front of anybody." And now here I am, I'm doing speaking and you know all this stuff, and it's just it's just crazy. And which was going through my head as you both were saying about being shy and. And what you do today, it's like so cool that you push through that shyness and you doing something that you love, you know, and, and I think that's important for our listeners to understand that, you know, don't let something hold you back. You guys did not let being shy hold you back because look at some of the people you guys have interviewed, Mick Jagger and Oprah, all these things you guys have done. I mean, if you would have stayed in that shell of that shyness, you might not have done some of the great, great things you've done, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you had asked me when I was 10 years old what I'd be doing as an adult, I would never in a million years have ever thought it would involve interviewing people, having conversations with people I didn't know, like never in a million years. And it's also helped us, I think, socially, because for me now, if I'm at, not that I've been to a party since COVID started, but when I did go to parties, now I know how to, I, I realized that thing that you learn as an adult, like people love to talk about themselves. So now I know how to like have a conversation at a party because I know how to ask the questions. And, um, and so now I think, it, you know, finding our place professionally has also kind of helped us, I think, grow personally in that way. I love that you said that, like the social part. So I, um, at one of my corporate jobs, my boss said, you need to go take this Dale Carnegie course. I'm like, okay, fine. And when I was in that course, I'm like, she needs to take this course too. And I found out later she'd taken it not once, but twice, but I loved it. And I became a coach with it for quite a few years. I worked with a gentleman named Dan Parsons. I love him to death. But um, during that course of the time, you know, like you said, having conversations at the social events. So one of the things I remember as you were saying is if you got to the movies, you need to stop your conversation and, and run because it's not going the way you want it to. So I love that you said that, like you had all these different questions in your head you could go through. I just think it's so, so great that you guys are the example of, you know, don't let things hold you back because this is what you can accomplish. And and so we've talked about, I'm sure you're, you know, talk about your parents, you know, how they influence you and, and, and all that. Is there anybody else you guys can think of 
for your career as you've come through this other side and, and you know, we've grown into our careers and what you're doing today. Is there something else that comes to mind that was really a big influence on what you do today? Yeah, I think, um, you know, our biggest mentor in our career has been Karen Herman. Um, she was the um, vice president at what was then the Archive of American Television, which is um, it's the, the foundation of the Television Academy, the people who do the Emmys. Um, that was one of our first gigs when Amy and I left our corporate jobs and started our own company. And um, she hired us to do red carpet interviews and we had never done red carpet interviews before. We had done a few interviews on the phone and a few a few other things and we eased into it. And she's like, we have a red carpet tomorrow night. You can do the interviews. And we were like, we don't know how to do that. <laughs> so they hired us. We did our first red carpet interview for them. And then she said, do you want to edit? And we were like, well, we don't know how to edit. <laughs> she said, we'll show you. So she hired us at the Television Academy to work on their foundation interviews. And they're, the biggest thing they do is archival interviews. They're like three or four hours long. And they, they sit down with someone in the television business, both in front of and behind the camera, and start with what was your name at birth and go all the way to how do you want to be remembered? And you cover their whole career in between. And, um, and so... A few months after we started working for them, she said, do you guys want to conduct one of the interviews coming up? Um, we're interviewing Melissa Gilbert, who, for you youngins, was a half pint on Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> and um, and we said, sure. And so that was the beginning of our like interview career. And Karen guided us. And every time we had an interview, we would sit down with her beforehand and would go through questions and she'd advise us on the best way to format the questions. And she's just been a tremendous mentor and influence on us and gave, really was the one who gave us the confidence to really deep dive into the interview field. And, you know, we're forever indebted to her. I, lo I love that. I love Melissa Gilbert. Yes, I grew up watching the whole series. That's so cool. And how how neat, like she stretched you into doing something. You know, I think that's really powerful, too, is when we have somebody that sees our potential and they say, I'm going to make you stretch that comfort zone. I'm going to make you step outside the box, which is, you know, when I coach the women that I work with, I talk about stretching your comfort zone, step outside the box. I love sharing the story. I do an annual retreat and um, it's a pajama retreat and we do it every September. Our next one's coming up next month. And one of the things I, I'll, I'll, she'll know who I'm talking about. So I'm not going to say her name when she listens, but one of the things was she talked about how she wanted a piece of furniture and a certain vehicle, but that she, she had a spouse who wanted to, wanted certain things, you know, a certain way. And so what we worked on was understanding what their language was like to speak to them. So like my husband's an auditor. So I gave the example of like, okay, he's going to audit everything I'm going to bring in front of him. So I need to do my complete research. Right. So like many years ago, we got a car and we live in Virginia and I did all the research on the car I wanted while he was at work. I negotiated over the telephone with six different dealers and I narrowed it down to the one and he came home and I had all my ducks in the row. And he goes, that can't be correct because you didn't tell him. Did you tell him we're trading in a car? I go, no, they don't need to know we're trading a car. So I get there and he's like, oh, you did do your homework, <laughs> you know. So we talked to her about, you know, listening to what is, what is his language 
and then talking to him with what you want in his language so that, you know, you come to agreement and she got her furniture and she got the car she wanted, you know? So it's, I love that you had somebody do that for you in your career too, to really stretch, right? So bring us to the passionistas because I think what you've done is like this so great thing. You've taken all these great lessons you have and, and these inspirations and these mentors and brought something really powerful to the world and to women, which just touches my heart. So share with us this passionate movement and what's happening with that. Yeah. So we, um, you know, we started really diving into interviewing and we were uh, calling ourselves the pop culture passionistas, which is still one of our brands. And um, around 2016, um, there was a lot going on in the world that was unsettling to us. Um, and, and most importantly during that time was the, the Me Too movement was really, uh, firing up and, uh, time, the Time's Up movement. And although we personally have not ex- had those kinds of experiences, um, we really appreciated all the women that were coming forward and telling those stories and still do. Um, but we wanted to take that moment in time and tell the stories of really powerful women um and not and by powerful and successful we don't mean rich or big titles or anything we mean women who are following their passions and really living the their you know best lives um so we decided that we were going to use our interview skills to tell the stories exclusively of women and we created the passionistas project podcast So we interview everybody from a woman who started an ice cream company to a woman who melts down nuclear weapons and sculpts peace angels to uh, activists and artists. Um, We ask everyone we interview to nominate someone else. So we meet these incredible um, women who already are connected with each other because they're friends. And um, so that's the podcast. And while we were doing that, we realized how many women had incredible products, but weren't getting the funding and exposure that they need and deserve. So we started the Passionistas Project Pack subscription box. And that's a quarterly box. It's filled with products exclusively from women-owned businesses and female artisans. So it's five to seven lifestyle products. Um, everything's individually wrapped. So people tell us it's like Christmas in a box. And um, and in that box, we also have written interviews with all the women. So again, carrying over our interview skills, but also connecting the subscriber to the woman behind the product. So it's not just this cold item in a box. It's, oh, that's the woman who has the three kids and she started this company because her, you know, she got divorced. So you really feel a connection to the woman. Um, and then in 2020, it was the 100th anniversary of some women getting the right to vote, uh, but not all women. So we wanted to use that as a springboard to talk about how far we'd come, but also how much more work we need to do. Um, so we started the what was then called the Women's Equality Summit, but is now called the Power of Passionistas. And it's a three-day virtual event that's entirely focused on uh, issues that impact women. This year, we have um, all of the panels are intersectional. So we have women from different marginalized communities, mostly um, from the API and LGBTQ. Um, disability rights are really important to us. So we have a lot of women uh, in the disability community. And 
there's storyteller events with roundtable conversations, and it's women telling their stories on topics like, you know, power of knowledge, power of transformation, power of authenticity, and then talking to each other about what their, what their experiences are and giving us walk away solutions like, okay, this is what you can do to be supportive of my community. Um, so that's September 21st through September 23rd. So everything we do every day, we wake up and all we want to do is inspire and promote women. That's our mission. I love that. I, I, you know, and that's so, I love the, all the different genres that you bring together in that project. And then I, the subscription box, how cool is that? Like, it's like wrap, like you said, opening up a Christmas gift. I just think that's so cool. But even taking a step further and going, these are the people that are in here. Let's get, get to know them even better, you know, and that connection. We, um, I think that's really important really powerful we can connect women across the country and across the world and it's sort of um, we're getting ready to start a project it's called poppin conversations with pearl and we are converting a vintage camper into a mobile network living room and so our goal is to show up in different cities and be just let's have a conversation like what are your challenges right now how can we help you who can we connect you with and the really cool thing we're going to do is we're not doing boxes. We're going to, so we're going to start here in Tampa. We're getting ready to map out our, our tour, but we're going to start and we're going to ask, we're asking 20 women business owners to give us something to go into the Pop and Pearl swag bag. And so we're going to take those bags to, let's say I go to Atlanta. So those 20 bags go to Atlanta. We're asking that network group in Atlanta to donate 20 as well, but we're going to exchange 10. So our top 10 donors will get a bag from somebody else but the other 20 bags we're going to go into the community because i believe in giving to the community that i'm receiving from so we're going to go we have connected with a national nonprofit um, for domestic violence it's called um, unsilenced voices and so they're national and international michelle jewsbury is her name so she's our nonprofit we're going to represent on the road and so we're going to go to a local nonprofit helping women in domestic violence give them those bags, pour into them, show them love and show them that, you know, we're here to support you. You can do anything you want to do. Don't let this situation hold you back. Right. And so I love that you guys, that that's what you guys are doing. Like you're taking all walks of life. And um, when we get done, I'll have to give you a name of somebody to interview. Um, she, she loves to call herself differently abled. Um, so instead of the word disabled, differently abled. And I just love that. And she's so powerful and she's in the, um, in the industry with you guys too. So I think it'd be a great connection, but, um, but I love that you're doing that because like you said, there's different walks of life and, you know, it could be just, I call them the CEO moms, you know, that I don't like the word stay at home mom because you're, you're running a business at home, right? So that CEO mom, who's like, I just have a dream to go take 20 minutes for myself, you know, showing her how to do that through these people that you introduce them to, to, you know, all the way up to, I just love like taking in, uh, you said the melting down. I was just like, okay, I need to know about her because I need to go check her stuff out. <laughs> so I, I just love that you're doing that. And I think that's so important that we as women, that we find ways to uplift one another, to take somebody by the arm and say, come on, we've, you've got this and you're not by yourself, right? And it sounds like that's a lot of what you're doing. And so what I want to ask you before I, because um, I can't believe how fast our time goes, but what I do want to ask you is, so what is the next thing upcoming? So you've got the next of summit is in September. What's down the line in like three to six months as well for you guys? Wow. Well, um, three to six months from now, we'll be planning next year's summit because <laughs> we've realized it's a pre pretty much a year long thing um, and they get bigger every year. So I think 
because this one has grown so much, we're going to have to start planning next year's summit on September 24th. <laughs> um, but what else, Amy, what else do we have coming up? We have interviews scheduled through the end of the year for the mm -hmm. podcast. Um, I guess we could talk about our our, our hidden our little secret of our, our sock puppets. <laughs> do it, do it. Why not? That's I think they're ready for us. Biggest, uh, so uh, we 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 reserve talking about the sock puppets until we know we're talking to our people uh, so they don't think we're just crazy old ladies. But um, Amy and I create sock pop culture sock puppets. And um, we started doing those in 2016 as well. And we started by making our Emmy predictions in sock puppets. So we recreate famous people in sock puppets. Um, I want to hop in to say they're very detailed. They're not they're just like detailed. a gym yeah. sock with googly eyes. They're like 1600 hand placed beads kind of. They're, they're sock art, as somebody has called them. Um, so our, our dream really, and we we don't have a lot of time to work on this and we're trying to carve out time for it, but our dream is to combine the two passions and make um, a line of famous women in sock puppets. So, and then we would take those puppets and make playing cards and books and calendars. And so that's really our, our big upcoming goal is to finish the puppets. We have, we're we're trying to start with 14 and we have i think six of them done so hopefully this year we'll finish the rest of them up i i love that. I, can't, I can't wait to see you have to send me the link i would love to check that out for yeah. so are you doing like are you doing how far back are you going with the with the inspiration of the of the actors and actresses and such i think the furthest one back is joan of arc yeah Ooh, okay. um, Right now, there, do we have a few on our list that may go back further? But I'm pretty sure Joan of Arc is our most yeah. historic. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not just celebrities; it's it's women in history too. We have you know people like RGB and Harriet Tubman, and but it, it comes all the way. The kind of the most probably the most contemporary person is Margaret Cho, because um, we gave her the Passionistas persist and Jane Goodall were making so. We gave them both Passionistas Persist Awards at last year's summit. So right. we are anybody we give an award to, we're also going to honor them in, in soft puppet form at some point. I, I love that. That sounds so so yeah. cool. All right. And so I think the other the other more serious project that we is kind of a long term goal is we have a shop on our website that we also want to build into a bigger destination, so that if it's the holidays and you want to buy women owned you know to go to the Passionistas Project shop before you go to Amazon or anywhere else, and you will be guaranteed to be able to find products from women-owned businesses. So we have the the germ of that right now on our site. There's the subscription boxes there, and there are other products there. But ultimately, we'd like to really flush that out and have that be a shopping destination for women-owned businesses. I, I love that. I think that is so cool. So tell, I know we're going to post it, but tell everybody your website to those that are going, oh, I want to go right now and look. So tell everybody your website. It's thepassionistasproject.com. Thepassionistasproject.com. That is so awesome. All right. So now I'm going to ask you this question. You each have to answer it individually. Okay. So what is the one thing that you do for your self-care and how do you find time for your self-care? <laughs> finding time for self-care is the biggest challenge I face <laughs> I really I my my biggest thing right now is I try to take Saturdays off and see my sisters <laughs> um 
we have another sister who lives here in the Los Angeles area, and we try to get together on Saturdays and just have lunch and tea and hang out or go for a swim. Or, but um, that's my biggest self care right now is just to stop because otherwise, I really literally would be working morning till night because I love what I do, so it's easy to do that. But we're also just very busy, and at this point, we just sort of have to. So, but I try to force myself to take at least Saturday mornings off. <laughs> that's good. I um I love television. I have always loved television. I am not ashamed to say how much I love television. And so for me, my self-care is after my boyfriend goes to sleep at night, I sneak back into my office and I turn the TV on. And I might be doing a little bit of work sometimes while I do it, but for the most part, I put on some show and I stay up way too late and, and binge watch whatever, you know, whatever the show of the moment is for me. So that's my get out of my head, go to another world. I love it. So my husband and I have been doing this whole, my, our, our youngest son put Netflix on our, on our TV. So we've been like Netflixing and and binge watching all these great fun shows lately. Like we're finding all these like new shows. It's like, we, and we tell the kids, don't tell us what to watch. Cause we'll go watch it. And then we'll be binge watching it forever. But I also love that you guys are taking into Nancy, as you said, you're finding time to take time for each other as well. And you know, with self-care, that's so, so important because you know, when you don't pour into your cup, you can't pour into others' cup and you can't do the things you're passionate about the way you really want to. And I think it's really important. And even if it is just watching a little TV or sitting down and, you know, spending time with a loved one, that's that's self-care because you're pouring into you as well. And, you know, oftentimes those that listen to the, to the podcast have heard me say, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. And if all your family could do at your eulogy is say what they saw you do for your self-care what would they be saying? You know, and if you can't answer that question, then it's definitely time to do some quiet time journaling about what are your goals and what are your visions you want to achieve. I just, I just love that you guys find also time to put it in with each other. So I, and, and Amy, I, I, my husband sneaks away too at night cause he's a, he's a, um, a history buff. So I'm like, oh, I can't take another history channel. So <laughs> so he's watching TV late at night and he gets that from his dad, which is so funny that, you know, you don't have, so our oldest was adopted and he, he picked up traits from the two of us and we had him, we got him in a baby, but my husband's dad was really his stepdad and raised him since I think it was three or four. And he picked up traits from him too. It's like so crazy what you get when you're around those that you love. Right. And his dad would watch history. I'm like going, Oh God. So now my husband does it too. So it's like, I can't. And my youngest one is into the history stuff too. So they can have really cool conversations when it comes to elections and all this stuff they have great not heated but great intellectual conversations about you know one side or the other side you know so it's I just love that you guys do that too so so this has been so much fun and um so what I want to do now is everybody who watches we're going to put all your social media together and everything and I want to before I do go on I do want to ask you one other question I just remembered I love your quotes they really I asked you to tell me what your favorite quotes were and they really hit home for me because I was like, everything happens for a reason. And those that are listening and you guys both know, I recently lost my son um, to an unfortunate um, car accident. And, you know, that was one thing everybody goes, well, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, my thing is, I believe that like, that's like, there's a reason why he's passed. And we know part of it is, you know, we're going to do something where the crash scene was because it was a terrible intersection. But I just love it that you said that. And then the other one was, not my circus, not my monkey. I, I, I just like, I was like, oh my, I have not heard that one before. But tell me you guys, like, I don't know whose quote is which. So 
take those quotes and break them down to me. What resonates with you? Well, for me, everything happens for a reason. Um, It's something our mother used to say all the time. And, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, yeah, right. Sure. Everything happens for a reason. Um, But it's true. First of all, you know, I, I left my job at Warner Brothers because there was just a huge change, sea change at the studio. And it felt like the end of the world to me when that was going on. But if that hadn't happened, I never would have left and I wouldn't be doing what I was doing. And in ter- hopefully I won't get emotional when I say this part, but in terms of what you were just saying about your son, the, the moment in time when I realized that how profound that statement is because it sounds like a throwaway, like everything happens for a reason was when our mother passed away. Um, because in that moment you're like, well, how, what's the reason behind this? Um, had she not passed away when we were younger, I don't think I would have had the courage to continue following my dreams the way I had. Um, I also don't think Nancy would have moved out here. I don't think Lisa would have moved out here. And so as horrible and tragic as that was, it was a very, there were very, a lot of really positive things that, that came out of it that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So I hope that helps you (laughs) in this moment. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, you're right because certain things we already start, we're already starting to see things are happening. Right. And we know that's part of his, you know, part of what his, his being was here for us. And so we're seeing that and, you know, it's, it's so true. Like you don't know what that's going to be and what it leads to because every, every door leads to something. And so, you, you know, everything that happens really does happen for a reason. There's something, some sort of legacy that's left behind. And, you know, the really cool thing I shared with a friend of mine last night was that, you know, my kids would be like, oh, sure, mom. Oh, whatever, mom. Whatever you say, right? We did that with our parents, right? Yeah, sure, mom, right? You know, just like you said, everything happens. Okay, sure. But it was really powerful because my son used to say, mom, you always, no matter what came at you, you see the glass half full. And I used to say, I see it overflowing. I don't see it half full. I see it overflowing. And he's like, I just don't understand that. I'm like, it's just what I choose to look at things that, that like you said, everything, something's happening. Why is it happening? What can I learn from this? And, and I shared with him that every morning, my motto is I get up, I look in the mirror and say, I'm going to have a great day. Today's a beautiful day. Good, better, and different. There's a lesson to be learned from everything that comes my way. And so I tell, I told him that's what I do. And so I, you know, you hope that your kids follow these lessons, you teach them and you emulate. And so at a lot of his friends have came up to me like, Matt always showed up for us, no matter what happened. He was always there for us. He heard us. He listened to us. Even when he was having his worst times that he went through, he still checked on us, you know, so his glass was overflowing as well. So I think that's, you know, like you said, those things happen for a reason. And like right now, the other thing that's been happening, and I think this is part of his legacy, is that many of his friends didn't know he passed and they've been showing up at our door trying to come visit him. And Mm -hmm. as a mom, that's so hard. And one of them was like, you know, we had a disagreement a few months ago. It wasn't bad, but and I said, listen, I'm the vessel for you to understand that he would have forgiven you. But I want you to walk out the store and the next person that you're going to do when you get in your car is you're going to call that person that you've been thinking about stopping and seeing. So I've started this movement called hashtag make the call for Matt. So, you know, if there's that person, just reach them, reach out to them. And I feel like that could be part of his reason that he's leaving behind, you know. So I just love that you share that, Amy, about your mom, because like you said, these beautiful sisters wouldn't be right there near you. Right. 
So mm-hmm. I guess that means, Nancy, you're the not my circus, not my monkey. <laughs> yes. Um, everything, if you notice, there's a theme. Everything with us comes back to our mother. She was our biggest influence and she's our biggest angel. Um, and my mother was pretty faultless, but if she had one fault, it was that she was selfless and she did everything for everybody else and she never took care of herself going back to self-care. Um, and so I think Amy and I both inherited that trait where we put everybody else first and we think about everybody else first and we get involved in everyone else's drama. And so we remind ourselves very often that we need to take a step back because this is their problem and not our problem. And so we'd like to remind each other, this is not my circus, not my monkeys. Just, you know, take it easy. It's not your problem to solve. They're adults. They can figure it out on their own. I love that. And I, I too was a people pleaser. I said yes to everybody. I did everything for everybody. It's like, yeah, no, I got to figure this out. And it took me a while. I actually, you know, I share this often is that I had to put a pebble in my pocket and I made a commitment to myself to move that pebble three times by saying no to something or someone because it made me think about what I was saying yes to, right? Was it, do, is this really is this really something I want to do? And, or is this a drama I want to be involved with? Right. So it's like, yeah, I love that. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Or the other thing I also like, here's a quote I like too, is somebody will ask you your opinion, right? I'm sure you've had this. So what do you think about this? I'll say to them, cause I'm very honest. I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. I'll say to them, are you open to receiving everything I have to share? So I'm letting you know up front, I'm going to give, but are you ready to receive? <laughs> you know? And if you're not, tell me no, because I'll just be quiet. <laughs> I love. I used to go shopping with my oldest son. He was my he was my fashion guy because he would be like as athletic as he was, and he had this great all these great you know great girlfriend. But he would say, "No, mom, you can't wear that." Where my husband, I walk out looking like I'm a you know back from the way back in the day with the Melissa Gilbert Little House on the Prairie looks, (laughs) 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 you know. So. But, oh, my God, this has been so, so much fun. I really appreciate you being on here. So now we're going to do, I've already prepared the ladies, that we're going to do our Better Questions, Better Life cards. So you guys are going to tell me when to stop. And then, so either one of you can tell me when to stop. And then whatever card we get, you guys will answer. So here we go. Tell me when to stop. Stop. (laughs) How did we do that at the same time? (laughs) Oh, wow. This is a good one. So your question is, and you guys can each take this one. Where will I go from here? Ooh. I think it's just bigger and better Passionistas project. You know, we just want to spread the word more and more and more about these women that we have 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 in our community. And that's if there's one frustrating thing about our lives right now, it's that we want more people to hear these stories. It's they're so powerful, they're so important. And so just bigger, better passionistas, that's what's next. And for me, it's a less about where we're going, because I agree with Nancy and it's about who we're going with. Mm-hmm. And and I want to to go forward with the women that we are collaborating with right now and meet more and more women like you who share our vision and find ways to partner and collaborate so that we're building a network of female, you know, women-centric organizations that are supporting each other and sharing audiences and inspiring women together. 
I love that. I, and I see it all coming. I, I think it's already there for you. I think you guys already have it manifested out there and just it's all going through the process now. So I want to thank you guys for coming and for the listeners that are on. What just want to remind everybody that we're going to put all the links for the ladies here. So Amy and Nancy will be able to you will be able to get in touch with them. We'll be dropping that into everything we put out there. And then I also want to remind you that we do have our sixth annual pajama retreat. Show up in your PJs, no makeup. You can let the girls hang loose. We are going to talk about the roadmap of experiencing your journey of possibilities. So we're going to walk you through your goals, and they may not be what you think you're coming in with. You might think you've got to work over here on this pie, but it might be this little piece that you have to work with first. So if you're interested, we have it at WSLivingRetreats.com. That's WSLivingRetreats.com. And we are going to have a virtual ticket announced next week, too, so you can watch us virtually. But in the meantime, I want to remind everybody, this great thing here is we come into this world as this beautiful oyster. We're a little rough on the outside. But as you open up inside, you find your inner pearl of greatness. And I hope each and every one of you go out today and find your inner pearl of greatness. Have a great day. Hello, sunshine. Good to see you again.